0: And welcome to another healing conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. My name is Lorraine Gailey, and today we're going to talk about how you can find your life passion and your purpose and truly live it. I'm talking with author Amy Tang, a spiritual coach, teacher, speaker, and social entrepreneur. And her books include A Playdate with Destiny, Turning Daring Risk, subtle setbacks and painful disappointments into a fun-filled adventure. She's also the founder of LightsOnBright.com. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining Healing Conversations.
1: Thank you, Lauren, for having me.
0: You have a very fascinating background with how you came into living your passion and purpose. Can you describe the spiritual awakening that you had?
1: Sure. I was um, in the business world for several years when I lived in Boston. I'm now 42, but back in my 20s and 30s, I was actually very involved in system implementations and implementing them worldwide. And so, as you can imagine, I traveled a lot, and I had a very hectic schedule. And on September 11, 2001, that was my first wake-up call, and I, although I wasn't impacted and I didn't have anyone in my family um, impacted by uh, that event, it still was hugely growing in my awareness that, you know, life is short, and I could have been on one of those planes. I easily could have been on one of those planes. I had left Boston that morning and had flown into the towers. and. People that I worked with knew of people, and the more I heard these stories, the more I realized that everything that we did on a daily basis paled in comparison. And so actually my my whole life began to actually fall at that moment because I, I had built my, my identity on my work and my status and my career and my uh, financial wealth, all those things. And that began to fall, but I was so caught up in the work that I was doing that I quickly you know, got back into a routine, and then on, one month later, uh, the universe said, no, no, you're not going to get back into that routine, and I was robbed while I was at home. I had a uh, robber. Um, but fortunately, I wasn't hurt or um, damaged in any way. I was just emotionally shocked into a different way of living let's put it that way i where he broke into my house while i was on the phone with my husband and he ran up the stairs and he met me in my um in my bedroom with my pajamas on and we stared at each other and i pretended because i had the phone to my ear i pretended that i was talking to my the police, and it was enough to convince them to turn around and leave. And that was really the beginning of me looking at my life and saying, I've had two major uh, brushes recently with situations that could have turned out differently, and I was blessed in both occasions to come out of it unscathed. And maybe it's time to look at who I am, what I'm really here to do, And how can I make a difference in this world? And that started the journey into, uh, first it began with myself, looking at who am I, what am I here to do? I I ended up reading like 24 hours a day. I quit my job and I just spent the time reading and writing in my journal and working on myself and dismantling all my unhealthy behaviors and really looking at my shadow and things i've been denying about myself and really bringing out the playful and the fun aspects of me that i had hidden because i had thought that they were unimportant or things that really didn't matter but ultimately they're they're the pieces that i use most now in my work the playful side the the spiritual side the um the pe- the person who enjoys exploring sacred mysteries and esoteric or hidden knowledge. Um, So that began that journey. And so for the past, uh, let's see, eight to ten years since that time, once I had done the work on myself, uh, people started noticing and saying, you know, all this that you've explored with yourself and done all this personal transformation, this could help a lot of other people. And so once I moved... My husband and I, we decided out about two years later to move out to Scottsdale, Arizona, and we've been here ever since. And once we moved, I opened my practice, Inspiring Hearts. And since then I've been coaching lots of other people uh, through personal transformation, and um, my focus is on people who may have lost themselves or somehow know that there's more out there than what their life is is showing them, and they want to get to that deeper knowing and understanding.
0: And that's what I'm sure many of our listeners today would like to hear. Your book, Playdate with Destiny, does a great job of helping people identify their passion. And, you know, in today's world, when we've got change coming about with the great shift of the ages, how have you been able to help people trust enough to just move forward while they're still putting a roof over our heads.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's a good question and as as you've know because you've read the book, uh I I had to deal with some of those issues myself on on my my own journey of playing with destiny has not been an easy one and that's why I felt called to write this book because it's it's a real journey even though I've had some exciting things happen that have you know in made me believe that I'm on the right path and I know I'm meant to do this work even with all those signs and indications it still um it has been quite a journey and that, that's the truth for all of us really um but to answer that question uh, there's a couple questions in there but one one thing I realized it has to do with the esoteric knowledge that we're talking about and the shift of the ages you mentioned. My my understanding in that piece, or my role, let's say, in helping with the shift of the ages, and each one of us has a different role. It's just understanding what your role is. We're all working together to shift the ages, and whether you're conscious or not, you're playing a role on a certain level to help shift the ages.
0: Mm-hmm. And.
1: My role, I became to, i became conscious of my role uh, actually right after the September 11th and the robbery. I had a huge awakening to understand that I went through a heart-opening experience. My heart opened instantaneously at first, but then I did a lot of uh, introspective work to realize what it really means, to have an open heart and live with an open heart on a daily basis. And so a lot of my work with clients and a lot of my workshops was about teaching about an open heart and what it means to what is an open heart, why is it so important to have an open heart, what are the tools that you can use on a daily basis to open your heart. And I knew that this kind of work was really helping people find their purpose, understand, open to greater knowledge than they ever knew existed before. And it was moving in powerful directions. And so within myself, I still had a desire with these teachings and this understanding to bring it to a deeper or broader audience, let's say because I knew it was working with individuals, but the question for me was, okay, so how do we get it out to even a broader audience? Because this information and these tools are really helping people. And that's when my, let's say, playdate with uh, Destiny accelerated. And I allude to that some things that happened to show a quickening. I think it's in Chapter 3 where I talk about Um, some visitors that I had in my bedroom one night who confirmed the inner questioning I was having about is it, how do I reach this broader audience?
0: Tell us more about the visitors. In your book, it is Chapter 3, that you recognize these as angelic beings. The first was Ascended Master Ashtar, head of the Galactic Federation. That is far out there. What was that like?
1: Yes, and it is far out there, and then yes, there, it's um, you know there's <laughs> there's lots of Earth volunteers here um, who've who've said, hey, I know the shift of the on an un on, let's say on an unconscious level before we were even born in this lifetime,
0: uh-huh. said,
1: hey, I know this shift of the ages is coming. It's a very exciting time. Pick me, pick me. I've had lots of experiences. I've had lots of past lives that prepared me for this time. Help me help you shift the ages. And when 2001 happened for me, that's when I woke to say, oh, my gosh, I'm one of these volunteers. This is me. And it was actually then that I became aware of Ashtar. I did a lot of reading and uh, esoteric books of if anyone's interested, one book that really helped me was Barbara Handclaw's *The Palladian Agenda*. She does a fascinating job of explaining the cosmic shifts going on right now and how they pertain to us.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so, all of this was resonating for me, and um, and and then, then what happened is that we, you know, you have to live between two worlds. So I was aware of all this, but I was also still really grounded and moving forward with my coaching business and uh, doing what I could to help individuals open their hearts. And uh, then it was kind of shocking to say that when Ashtar showed up in my room because even though I was well aware of him, I, there was even a familiarity with him and this other guy that we discussed, Ron uh even though there was a familiarity with him it was still surprising to see him there in my bedroom. And he confirmed that at that time that to keep writing my books and to keep working on Lycon, which at the time my I'm actually a co founder of Lycon, my, my business partner, her name is Eileen Fay Oliva. And at the time we were just co facilitating facilitating a small group of people in Eileen's living room once a month, and it was called Lights On, and was helping people find their purpose and awaken their destiny. And he started telling me things about Lights On that I had, didn't make any sense at the time, but he said to keep moving forward with my books in Lights On, and that would help me reach the broader audience.
0: And in your book you just say that you... You knew, you, although you'd never seen him before, you knew who he was. So obviously there was no fear. Are you vegetarian? What do you attribute this visitation or your awareness to, just your readiness at this point in time for that?
1: Hmm. Hmm. You know, your, your words probably, um, you know, suit it well. I think my readiness, I had... I, I am vegetarian i have i've meditated for years i um i've done a lot of personal work and transformation and um uh, so I think all those things help i also think there's um lots of angels beyond astar and lots of ascended masters helping us with this shift right now and I had done a lot of work over the years of of um working with them, talking to them, um even though I couldn't see them, and uh, trusting them and understanding how they they communicate with us because a lot of us um we it's not going to be clairvoyance, it's not gonna be uh you're gonna see them every day in your bedroom that that That's not the normal occurrence, but there are signs and messages and there are ways that no matter who's on your spiritual team, they're constantly, you know, they're communicating with you and it's just a matter of us understanding how to listen to those messages. And uh, besides being vegetarian and meditation and all those things that help, I think what you just said really uh, sums it all up. The more... when you reach a certain readiness for those things to happen, it does accelerate the process.
0: You had mentioned in your book about synchronicities. It was a beautiful story. It was a very encouraging story about you going through your day, watching the synchronicities, and at some point, not even being aware at that moment it was a synchronicity, do you attribute those synchronicities to being in an open heart?
1: Yes, yes. That's a lot of the work of opening heart that happens. The more you're able to open your heart chakra, the more you're able to A, uh, put your life in a mode where synchronicities occur more often and then B, the more you're able to be opening to the synchronicities as they're occurring, and I do say in the book, I say that you know the language of the universe is sign language, and uh, it's just a matter of understanding what that sign language means. And often, when our heart is closed, we we still get the signs, but what happens is fear jumps in, and we say, "Well, no, that's not a message," or if it is a message. I am scared of it, or all these different things come down to shut down the messages. But as our heart opens, part of having an open heart is also having discernment to understand. It's discernment. Discernment means wise judgment. So when you have an open heart, you also have wise judgment as to the messages that you're receiving. So you're able to discern. What are true messages and what aren't?
0: I'd like to share a personal experience or lesson on that. And it regarded some emails. In my meditation, I had asked to be guided and shown the answer to a question I had. And I had to chuckle because it took me a couple months to really get the message because I realized after I finally was in a state of an open heart after meditation, after a specific focus. I had seen the same email come across my desk that I had seen about three months earlier. But this time I saw it. Rather than the last time when I saw it, I deleted it because I felt it was competition. Ah. That was that closed heart. I realized a few months later when I got the message again, that that was meant for me to look at because it contained information.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. That's a great example. And the other thing you'll find with sign language, and this happens to me all the time now, is that these messages have layers upon layers of information in them. And so even if you're open-hearted and, aha, you get the message in the moment, and that's exciting when that happens, Don't be surprised when two or three days later and then three months later you get another layer and then another layer. It just keeps coming back and there's always deeper and deeper meanings or multiple meanings that open you to deeper understanding when you're ready.
0: You know, and I I kind of think of it as when we finally come across that, Idea that we 've been working on for so long, and then it suddenly seems so simple. I think that would be what I get from you explaining those layers when it just becomes so simple.
1: Yes, let me give you an example of how that happened in my life, actually, where I didn't even understand um certain messages at the time, but then later it made it really clear when I was writing the um well, one one thing that happened with Ashtar in in my bedroom for two nights in a row. One of his messages was, and we were speaking telepathically. And one of his messages was, um, don't. Because I was like, well, how am I supposed to do these things, and how how am I going to move forward? And I think he probably sensed my anxiety with some of this, and he said, um, don't worry, we'll give you the play by plays. Mm-hmm. And he said, we are the coaches, you are the quarterback, we'll give you the play-by-plays. And so the next day when I was still high from excitement that this had even happened, I mean, I was so high I could barely stay grounded <laughs> because I'd never had anything, and never, by the way, since have had anything like that happen, but... um I was very uh, excited and happy at the moment and all these different signs just kept coming through and one of the signs was I was sitting at the park and I was thinking about all the messages that he had shared with me the night before and there was this cement truck that came by and the uh mixer was rolling around and it was the sign it was uh painted like a football mm-hmm. so I got the message that day, and I said, oh, that's so funny. He said, you know, um, you know it's like football. You know, they're, they're the coaches on the quarterback. They'll give me the play-by-plays. So I made the connection that day, but years later when I was r- writing the book, it was only in that moment that I realized that was their very first play-by-play to me, and what it meant was Build the foundation. So I didn't even I didn't even understand all that until hindsight. Because actually, it was only in hindsight, once I had built the foundation, that I understood. Okay, you know, that's what I was doing in that time. was building the foundation.
0: And sometimes that's the hardest, longest part. Yes. Yes. So. What is your best advice for someone who, like you, wakes up? I think it's happening more and more. But how would you help, say, someone who's waking up from that corporate grind and maybe they're realizing that it is slavery? What are some of the best ways, the fastest ways, that you help people identify their passion? Uh,
1: The biggest question to ask is, who am I, and who am I not? Is is that your question? Is is that what if someone's at a place of of okay? I know I don't want this life anymore, but I do want this life. Is that yes? Your question? Okay. You know,
0: for example, I have a friend who is a realtor, big big hitter realtor, who suddenly has realized. She doesn't have to work so hard, she doesn't need to work so hard. When she does work so hard and she's got that extra money in the bank, her relationships are no better off. She's no better happy than without the money, because after all, relationships are very important. It's kind of the same sort of awakening that the director of I Am, the movie, went through. So. Can you speak to that when you run across clients? I would imagine that it's at that point that they run into you and seek your help yes, yes,
1: absolutely that's exactly uh, when 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 our work begins, and it's about first of all discovering who you are, and sometimes that takes away takes uh, another step of clearing yourself from destructive behaviors and releasing limited thinking and taking away some of that and at the same time simultaneously bringing back who you are at the deepest level. What is your essence? And we have a lot of actually free tools online on lightsonbright.com to help people with these specific, there's certain questionnaires that you can do and we we target those questions, designed to help you get to those answers. Like for example, when when pe- people sometimes when they come to me, they don't even know who they are. They know they're a mother, or they know they're a wife, but they don't know who they are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Over time, they've lost their identity or their self, and they may be changing anyways. And who they thought they were may no longer exist. So. Um, so one of those questions then is to say, who am I not? And a lot of times uh, you can get answers first that way because it's easy to compare and contrast. And and then another question would be, you know, who do I who do I admire and why? And that is very telling because if you admire someone else, there is an aspect of that that exists in you. You can only admire that in someone else if that exists in you. And so there's different targeted questions that you can ask yourself that will help you. Um, Another thing is how am I creative and what did I love to do as a child? Or when I say to you, let's play, or you say to me, let's play, what does that mean to you? If you were to say to me, let's play today, what would that day look like to you?
0: Going to the ocean, the waves, the beach, for a hike outdoors.
1: Uh huh. And why would be the question? Why? Why?
0: Because it brings you joy must enjoy
1: indoors, and right, you must enjoy outdoors. Things like that. Uh
0: huh.
1: So there's also um, uh, we have uh, it's our actually it's our sample mission kit. It's called mission kit seven on LightsOnBright.com, and that actually helps you understand what is essence. So we talk about what is essence, and then we help you find what your essence is because Loren has an essence that no one else does. Amy has an essence that no one else does, and whoever is listening to this has an essence that no one else does, and the more you can tap into that essence, the closer you are to your Purpose and your passion in this lifetime.
0: Beautiful. So that's the Mission Kit 7 at lightsonbright.com. Your book is filled with very cool little tidbits and exercises, insights that just make it very easy to read and it's very inspiring. Again, just all kinds of information from chewing mint gum while you're brainstorming or dreaming of your vision. And you also talked about personal attacks and how you can feel them in your chakras or signs of attack in your chakras. Can you share more?
1: Yes, I call it Pop Goes Weasel and uh the reason why I call that is because um what happens is when the, when you begin to show that you are able to go beyond release conditioning and you're able to go beyond and reach further than the norm that's when what I call psychic assaults will occur. But what I've noticed is with this wording of psychic assaults, it's a dangerous word of what I've noticed is because that brings up different understanding for different people. So all I want to define psychic assaults as is um, impacts to your energetic systems that have uh, that happen at the chakra level. So Think of uh, bruises as physical assaults, okay? hmm And think of these psychic assaults as energetic assaults, and they happen to your energetic system, and they put your chakras out of balance. Let's give an example of how your root chakra might be impacted. Let's say you're feeling really good about your new self, and let's say it's your new self because you've transformed, you've done a lot of work on yourself, you know who you are now, and you're you're really starting to dare, be daring enough to bring that real you out into the real world. And so let's say that you have gone out and you've bought a whole new wardrobe and you're wearing something that expresses you as an individual and you feel really good about it. Well, I call it cut off at the knees in my example in the book. And let's say you go to a social party and you're wearing this outfit. And a perfect example of a psychic consultant being cut off at your knees and this is the impact to your root chakra is someone coming up to you, and it would even be a heavier assault if it's a friend who you know or an acquaintance that you know who comes up to you and says, "Isn't there anything else he could have worn?" and they might not even know the impact they're having on you, but it is an attack on your root chakra, and the reason why it's attacking your root chakra is because they're implying that you um you you're they're they're questioning your individuality. And your individuality is related to your root chakra, your foundation, your stability, and who you are.
0: We can feel those. It comes to mind, I saw on stage someone was muscle testing a woman, and he said, audience, think positive thoughts in your mind. Mentally send loving thoughts to this woman. And he muscle tested her, and her arm held out nice and strong. And then he said, now send negative thoughts. Send negative thoughts. Cut her down in your mind. And then he muscle tested her again and her arm was totally weak and flopped down to her side. So what can we do to protect ourselves or begin to shift it when we are aware that it's happening?
1: Well, and, you know thank you for that explanation because that, that that's a perfect way of explaining what these these chakra attacks do to you it's it's so subtle and it happens at the energetic level but what it's meant to do is is actually um take away some of your power and even some of these attacks are un unconscious and unknown but that that's the intention of it So what can you do? Well, what I learned to do and what I try to share with others is is assaults are going to happen no matter what. It's not like you can prevent them from happening, and you don't even have to be afraid or in fear of them happening because it's just uh, uh, part of the process of living here on Earth. But what you can do is anticipate when they're happening. And there's certain signals that if you tune into, you can become more aware and anticipate that these things are more likely to occur. And the way you can anticipate them is, A, are you doing anything that might be controversial? B, are you doing anything that could challenge other people's beliefs? See, are you doing anything that reaches beyond the norm, that puts yourself, um, that shows your greatness? And we should all be able to show our greatness, and I share that in the book. But sometimes when you share your greatness, it, it brings out, it makes other fe- people feel insecure or small. And not that you're supposed to shrink for that, but you do need to be aware of that, In defense, they may attack. And so those things, first of all, um, are great indications that psychic assaults can occur. And then the other thing you can do is um, shield yourself. And I I, um, offer all kinds of exercises of how you can do shielding. And, you know, I've gotten to a place where I do it so frequently now that I just have a terminology where I say shields up and I know that I'm protected. Now, when I know that I'm dealing with controversial material or when I know that I have just hit a brand new milestone with some of my work or something like that, and people around me may feel threatened or jealous or envious, anything like that, that's when I I do my shielding more often, maybe even two to three times a day. But on a normal day, you know, once a day, something like that, I'm sensitive enough to know when I need my shields more often and and how protected I am at this point. But uh, there's practices in there that you can use on a daily basis and then you'll become sensitive enough to know how shielded you are. And you can still have those shields and keep your heart open. In fact, it's those shields that you use that enable you to continue doing your work and expressing who you are and being who you are with an open heart.
0: And there's explanations on each of the chakras in your book and how to heal, why there was an attack, and how you can release it and work it out, and often that's physical exercise as well as meditation. Another thing that I'd like to ask you about are everyday drag queens. Talk a little bit about how we can protect ourselves from drag queens, people who bring us down.
1: Yeah, now drag queens are different because uh, drag queens are become more visible to you when you're just about to fly. So let's say um, they're in that way, they're actually your closest friends. You, they're your allies. They may be part of your inner circle, and um, they. Drag queens actually truly have your best intentions at heart. And so when they're dragging you down, it's completely unintentional. It's not meant as an attack. It comes more from unresolved fears that exist in their shadow, fears that they are denying exist in them. But, as I point out in the book, if the fears are coming up for, from other people around you, use them as a cue to look within and ask yourself, do I have that fear in any way? Is this person mirroring any fear that might exist in me? Because So drag queens, although they're dragging you down and making it harder to fly, they're actually giving you the resistance you need to take off, like an airplane cannot take off without the wind and resistance. So drag queens, if you use them in a productive and helpful way, they will be the ones to help you fly. Now let me give you a perfect example of uh, a drag queen. I use the example of uh, the love bug. And I'm going to use that example because that is someone that most of us can relate to. So it's your spouse. It could also be uh, your best friend. It's, it could be um, your lover. It's it's someone, think of, ask yourself, who loves you the most? Now, the drag that they might provide is distractions or interference. And this love bug has, you know, touched parts of you that nobody else has, you know, and the way that they might pro- produce drag is to say let's travel more often or let's uh you know let's take let's take a year off and go around the world and they might have the best intentions when they're saying that and yet it's it's the thing that would slow you down the most from what your true dream is at the moment you can use compassion in the situation and say to yourself, well, what is this person really afraid of? And most likely they're afraid of losing you, and they're afraid that they'll have less time with you, and they're afraid that if you truly are successful, you won't have time to travel or you won't have time to spend quality time together, things like that. And that's where you can use it to ask yourself, does that fear still exist in me somewhere? And let me address that fear now because I'm close to flying and this is something that I should be looking at and working with so that I'm aware of it. Drag queens are a process in what I call shadow work. And shadow is just beliefs, emotions, behaviors, and limiting patterns that exist in our life that we're denying. And in this case, it's fears that we may be denying. So what happens is drag queens come into our life to help us see or mirror back to us what we might be denying in ourselves. So, mm-hmm. for example, I, I call it going beyond a shadow of a doubt. So that, So... By understanding that every time someone is doubting your endeavors, it's because doubt still remains in their shadow. And because it exists in their shadow, they deny having their own doubts. But they're not aware of their own expectations, desires, and judgments, so they project those doubts onto you. But it's also important that you have to notice that these doubts exist in your own shadow as well. And because you're denying your doubts, they are mirrored back to you. So as you acknowledge and overcome your own doubts, you'll move past, you know, any outward negativity or resistance. And once you choose to go beyond the shadow of a doubt that exists in you, you'll reach beyond the norm and really begin to fly.
0: I bet people listening can look back in their lives, at relationships, and start journaling some healing conversations there from that advice that you gave us. Because
1: everybody in your closest inner circle is use those people as your allies to do the work that you need to do on yourself every time that something comes up for them. You know, ask yourself, well, why is it coming up for them? And then say, Is that, does that exist in me? And why does it exist in me?
0: How about when we doubt ourselves with the ego that could come in? What are some best practices for us to stay the course of our vision and our dream?
1: Well, I call it mission impossible, but if you break it out, it actually spells... Mission, I am possible. All of us are on a journey of taking what is our ultimate mission, impossible, and making it possible. That is our play date with destiny. And what makes it impossible versus possible is fears and doubts. So... The most common fears that come up are either a fear of success, which I kind of alluded to with the love-a-bug example, or a fear of failure. And the fear of success is um, something like uh, the ways that might manifest in your life are procrastination, being lazy, coming up with excuses not to do the work you need to do, and it's because you might be afraid of losing your free time or afraid of compromising relationships and a fear that you can't have it all now a fear of failure might manifest in a completely different way that's when you become a workaholic and you put you know your dreams so far over everything else that everything else begins to suffer and lose excitement and your your dream becomes all encompassing. Either way it's out of balance. But there's a lot more fears than that. There's fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough. There's there's so many different fears out there and and part of making mission impossible, mission I am possible, is understanding what your fears are I laugh because sometimes I've had clients say to me, because one of my questions for even coaching clients, anyone who works with me has to fill out a questionnaire before we do the work, and it's called Take Stock of Your Life. And one of the questions on there is, what are your greatest fears? List them. And I always laugh when someone says to me, I don't know. I really don't think I have fear. It's, Everyone has fear, and the more you make those fears your friends, the easier it will to move forward and become less stuck or paralyzed in your life, and the easier it becomes to overcome obstacles. But not only does everyone have fears, but everyone also has doubts. And some examples of doubts might be, I'm not worthy of this. A lot of people stay or play small in their lives because they don't believe they are worthy of greatness. And yet, the truth is, we're all worthy of it. Worthy is not something that comes from uh, rule or law dictated in heaven or nature or anything like that. Worthy is something that we create in our own egos. It's our own judgment about who is worthy and who is not? It's something that we perceive on an ego level. And as you open your heart, that can release that uh, doubt. But another doubt is, "I'm not capable," and that is because we, sadly, oh, often under acknowledge our own talents or uh, forget to value or recognize our own worth and our own talents and our own abilities. And often that happens in particular for people who are on a journey of of entrepreneurship or or things like that. In particular, that's an issue for people in those, those kind of roles because at least in the corporate world, you have a boss and you have incentives and you have bonuses and you have... You know, people pat besides money. You have people patting on you, on the back. There's people giving you attaboy's and things like that. And uh, what happens when you're on your own is you have to be the one to give you yourself that. And and most of us get caught up in the in the daily work and forget to do those things. And sadly, it becomes we forget what we even what our talents truly are and how powerful we truly are.
0: So we need to be our own cheerleaders. Yeah, if we can get out of our own way and remember to not beat ourselves up by working too hard for the fear of failure, that makes perfect sense. And then the procrastination, that makes perfect sense that that's related to a fear of success.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And so looking at all of our lives, the listeners' lives, anyone who's worked on projects in the past, I'm sure we can see those instances of Workaholic modes and procrastination, lazy modes,
1: and with fear of success, another good good indication that it's rising up in your life is distraction. Suddenly, things that didn't matter before suddenly come up and become very interesting. <laughs> like you suddenly get hooked to a brand new TV show, or you suddenly decide you have to uh, be a Every practice for your child 's game where um, where there can be moderation for these things, but these distractions are are convenient ways of denying a fear of success most most of us struggle with fear of failure and fear of success, and what happens though is we become unconscious of the fact that we 're struggling with it in that moment, and so these other Signs and indications take over. For example, um, you know, you may you may decide that you're going to jump to a whole nother level with some of some of the steps you're taking in your business. And when you do that, you may be unconscious of a fear of failure that's coming on. So you throw yourself full blown into it, but you, then you hit burnout and become exhausted. And then it's it's in hindsight that you might be able to notice that, hey, maybe I was actually, maybe I have an underlying fear here that I haven't looked at. So it's helpful to ask yourself on a daily basis, what are my fears? Make them your friends and say, it's okay. I, I can have this fear and acknowledge it and still move forward.
0: I just overcame one of my fears, and it has to do with parenting. We have friends who are pilots, and they have a small engine plane. And they invited, our sons are friends, so they invited our son, who's 10, up to the mountains with them. And they had done this earlier in the year, and I said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And I recognized at that point that I need to take a look at what that fear is. And so when it came up again, I just decided once and for all, To do the best that I can, I trust the parents as pilots. They're both pilots. They don't fly in bad weather. When they asked the question again, I went into that pause mode, and I just knew it was okay and that it was a fear that I was releasing.
1: Well, that is a big one. I I would have to go through the same process you did. (laughs) (laughs) it it would inevitably bring fear up in me as well. But,
0: um... It's innate, I suppose.
1: Maybe, maybe. (laughs) It might be. But, uh, you know, I think once you acknowledge that you have the fear, you know, that's a good example where you acknowledge that you have the fear, but you allow your child to do it anyways. And, uh, and that that's the case in everything in life. You can acknowledge that you have the fear, but you still take a step towards it. And it, the other thing is there's healthy risks, and there are unhealthy risks. Like your friend said, he said, I don't do it in bad I don't fly in bad weather. I, I don't, you know, I choose nice days to do it. And you probably wouldn't go without a full tank of gas, things like that. So, you, when, when you're, you know, overcoming any of these fears, it's about taking the baby step, steps and doing it with taking helping, healthy risks. You know, it's good to take dares like that because they actually, without taking daring risks, you're never going to move beyond the norm. But when you take the daring risks, it's also good to, you know, have the parachute, have have certain safety mechanisms in play so that if you fall, you're prepared.
0: Mm, Very well said. Amy Tang of LightsOnBright.com and also author AmyTang.com for your great books, for speaking engagements with you. As we wrap up, I would like you to just give your take on the current shift of the ages and your vision of the world in the future
1: Well, my vision of the world in the future is very positive. I think that um you know, we we do have a lot to go through in order to get where we hope to be, which is peace and contentment and um actually even enlightenment for uh, many, if not all of us, on a certain level. And I believe that in order to have the human race evolve, it's actually dependent on the transformation of each individual. So basically the evolution of the entire human race is dependent upon each one of us doing our own work to Transform on a personal level, and each one of us has to become who we are meant to, to be, and that means we, each one of us has to become our own light of the world. Shine our light each individually, and that's what's going to make the collective whole reach the next level, and um, and that's a lot of the the driving force that keeps me moving on personal transformation levels, it's really about each day doing our own work, our own piece to reflect within and transform, deal with our shadow issues, do, work on opening our hearts, things like that, that's going to shift us all into the ages. And so the if you're consciously doing your work, you're already doing your part on a grander scale to get us where we all want to go, which is um, a period of peace and uh, open-hearted contentment and working together in oneness.
0: I'm right there with you, Amy, as this whole world, not one person is neglected or left behind. And as Oprah said so eloquently at the end of her season and whole series, It's time to step up and do the work that we're here to do. And your book has really assisted in that. So thank you for following your destiny and doing your work. Because little by little, you are making it happen. And as we help people lift themselves up, others are lifted up as well. The whole world is lifted up. Thank you so much, Amy Tang.
1: Thank you, Lauren. Thank you very much for the conversation today.
0: And I thank you, too, for listening. Please share this program so that we can get this important information out to the rest of the world. And be sure to follow this show so you get notifications of our weekly shows full of fresh information that you won't find in mainstream media. I now leave you with music from the universe brought to you by AcousticHealth.com This is music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. Take a listen to the music and have a beautiful day.